Hello and welcome to DFS Coach Talk. It is Monday, May 24th, 2021. I'm Andrew Hansen alongside Joe Sarvati, affectionately known as Coach. And we have a two-game NBA playoff slate here, Coach, on Monday. You know I love the two-game slates. I know. This is this is right in your sweet spot, man. Uh, so we're going to see a lot of these two- and three-game slates uh, for quite some time until the field gets narrowed down. So... Uh, I'm expecting you to have a bunch of takedowns, Andrew. Yeah, well, you know, I'll take a couple this week. I'd be, I'd be fine with that. Uh, I do like these shorter slates. And, man, the theme of the weekend was uh, big minutes for the starters, tighter rotations. Yeah. And we saw game one between these two teams that we'll have tonight, uh, two games, Miami-Milwaukee, Portland-Denver. And I thought it was pretty apparent in those games as well. Are you expecting a similar theme here tonight? Yeah, you know, I, I think maybe it, it even seems more extreme to us because, you know, the, this combination has never happened in NBA history. Again, uh, a great reason to hand-build lineups like we do and not just completely focus on the optimizers because there are intangibles that we had never dealt with before. And those were obviously with COVID. We had the bubble. We had the short turnaround. We had 10 games less in, this, in the regular season. Just a series of different things that have no sample size. And then we got so used to so many guys sitting, so many out with COVID protocol, and teams just trying to get guys healthy for the playoffs, that it even seemed more dramatic that we went from these humongous rotations and minutes spread everywhere and enough value that you know you could have totally stars and scrubs with the most expensive guys from that to even more extreme like you said these seven man rotations bench guys that you expect to to, uh, to get some minutes not even seeing the floor um and so you're right and what that does is you know we've adjusted i've been working on it yesterday and today just went back through the teams all 16 teams looked at those rotations and what you're going to see, what we're going to do, as Andrew and I spoke uh, prior to the pod here, is we're going to look at box scores from the prior games in these series and just really feature off of those. Because we've already seen these teams have set particular strategies, defensive principles, things they're going to utilize. And yes, they'll tweak them a little bit as the series goes on, but the essence of what they are is what they're putting forward. So we should be able to look at you know all of the statistical analysis that we need to and then look at these box scores of these matchups in the series and have a much better idea of, of where the usage is going to go where we're going to be able to get some value possibly which is not easy and then you know where we need to have some leverage and look at ownership numbers and all of those aspects of things so uh, I sort of like where we're at right now. You know, this weekend was not as, as smooth as I would have liked. It, you know, we had to learn a few of those lessons, but uh, we've adjusted, and I think we're ready to tackle it. Uh, what do you think, Andrew? You ready? I sure am, yeah. And, and we got uh, extra time today, 7.30 Eastern start for the first yes. one. Uh, yep. So, so uh, kick it off for us, Miami, Milwaukee. Yes, Miami, Milwaukee, of course, uh, Miami the sixth seed, Milwaukee the three seed, and somehow Milwaukee pulled off that first victory of the series and at shooting 16% from three. How the heck do you win a game 
Five for 31 from three, Andrew. Can you explain that to me? Well, you you hold Jimmy Butler and Bam to eight for 37 combined from oh. the field. That's how you do it. Good Lord. Yeah. I mean, I I don't remember seeing Butler four for 22, like ever. I mean, that's, that's hard to believe because a lot of his shots are going to the basket. But uh, you're right. I mean, it was... It was a weird game. It really was. You know, you you wouldn't think that you could survive that poor shooting, but uh, both teams did. So, you know, very interesting. So the question is, you know, let's look at the spread for this game. It's Milwaukee minus four and a half, and it's a 222 and a half over under. So not bad, you know, considering how poorly these two teams shot, but I'm sure, you know, Vegas has factored in. They expect some of these numbers uh, certainly to increase. Those teams aren't going to shoot 16% from three, and Butler's not going to go four for 22, I wouldn't assume. So, you know, that's sort of baked into those numbers. But, uh, you know, there it's it's about uh, four and a half points less than the second game, but not enough where, you know, you have to stack one game o- over the other just because of the over-under. So we should get a real fair look at these four teams and be able to make some determinations. You know, let's remember a couple of things, though. Uh, We do know that Miami's pace was 29th throughout the season. So they're the second slowest team. And that is part of the reason why they did uh, create less good shots for Milwaukee and that they missed a lot of those is, you know, the pace was not to Milwaukee's liking. They like to push it out, get some shots up in transition. So that's something to keep uh, in mind as far as rostering uh, Milwaukee guys. On the other hand, Miami, we expected to reap some of the benefits of the second fastest pace in the league in Milwaukee uh, and guys like Butler and and Bam and all these guys getting more opportunities. And like you say, 37 shots between those two guys. That's a lot of shots. And that's what we expected. But eight to be made. No, that was (laughs) that was not what we were expecting. So, you know. The fact that they're they're getting more action, getting up and down the floor more, and you know I like that for future outcomes for some of the better uh, Miami players. And then from a defensive efficiency standpoint, that's what came into play the most in Game One. They're sixth and tenth respectively. So you have two top ten defenses, and they are going to create the other teams to shoot a lower percentage in a lot of situations, which they certainly did to the extreme in this first one. And the fact that Miami's only the 17th most offensive efficient team, uh, that really bit them in the pants too, because they had every opportunity to win this game with Milwaukee not being able to make a three and, and weren't efficient enough to get it done. So we'll see where that goes. And I think Milwaukee, for the Bucks fans out there, I mean, they were the sixth best offensive efficient team in the league albeit they got a lot of that off of their defense and into transition and get a lot of easy buckets, which Miami definitely uh, cut down on. So there's a lot of give and take. I think this is going to be a great series. I still think it can go either way. And, uh, you know, I think it's going to be a fun one, uh, you know, to watch throughout. Let's let's go back and forth on on Miami first, Andrew, and, and sort of talk about game one, and, you know, what our feelings were going into that and then what the actual minutes were. So let me ask you a few questions here. Uh, Jimmy Butler, 45 minutes and 40 seconds. That's that's a healthy chunk of time. Bam, 
also exceeded 40 minutes. Uh, again, overtime game, we get that, but those are a lot of minutes. So the question is, do we see those two guys uh, flirting in the 40s again with minutes? And then the, the three secondary guys, and you can take as long as you want to, to comment because it's a long question, I guess, but Ariza 38, Duncan Robinson 36, and Dragic 35. So I want to get your feeling on those five guys, the two studs and the three big minutes guys, because let's face it, we've talked about it before. Money does equal minutes. I know you have to be efficient, and Butler wasn't the last time, but in the long run, you give studs 45 minutes and they're going to pay off. So what do you think? Yeah, I like Jimmy over Bam here um, because they're not too much different different in price. And right. Um, you know, Jimmy's going to continue to be aggressive. He's in great shape. And the one thing I think that contributes to these big minutes for the starters is the fact that we had that play-in period, and these teams weren't involved in that. So they got quite a bit of rest. Six days rest. Yeah. yeah. And I think most of these teams are taking advantage of that, playing their starters 36 minutes or more. And, yes, that was a hard-fought game one that went to overtime, guys playing over 40. But I would expect Jimmy to be right back, ready to play 38-plus. And game two in a series like this, after you lose game one, is so important. These teams yeah. go in there. Lots of times they talk about, hey, we just let's get one on the road, and then we're going to go home, and we're going to have home court for the series. And so right. Miami has that in their grasp. They do not want to go down 0-2 to Milwaukee. It's t- It'd be tough to beat them four out of five. Yes, they did it last year, but... Um, they didn't start down 0-2. So they need this one, and Jimmy's going to put the team on his back, I think. So I like Butler here. Bam, I just don't like as much because I, I like the other centers. I like all three of the other centers on yeah. the slate, it, given their prices, um, sometimes depending on the site. But uh, Jimmy over Bam for me. With the other three guys you mentioned, I think it's most no- noteworthy that, that Dragic had 35 minutes. Um, Dunn that was surprising. Yeah, Nunn only had 23. Hero only had 19. And yeah. could that shift here in game two? Yeah, maybe Hero is hot. I mean, he was two for 10. So if he's playing better, maybe he gets more minutes. Um, but if Gorn is going to really run that second unit and get that opportunity, that's huge. I mean, I, I don't I don't really want to pay for Nunn or Hero in that same price range. Um I guess my hesitation there is is you know what I was alluding to there. What happens if Hero is hot? Do you think Hero gets more of a run here and is worth a look, or do you trust the minutes for Dragic? Well, I, I mean, and this goes for all the teams, I think, and most of these coaches. You know, they're, when push comes to shove and they have to make a split decision of who's going to go in the game, and they know their historic, you know, relevancy in the NBA is how they did in the playoffs and if they can win a championship and you have to call out a second year guy who's shot the ball very poorly or a veteran guy that's been in the league for like 14 years that is is pretty darn, you know, ice water in the veins kind of guy. I think you go to that guy. I mean, it's just that would be my nature as a coach is I'm going to go to, you know, who I can count on, just like Thibodeau did with Rose and on down the line, every team sort of did that. So I would favor Dragic here. Um, you know, it's not like Hero just had a single bad shooting game. 
His statistics this year are awful. He had a really bad year, did not shoot the ball anywhere near he did last year. And going into the bubble or in the bubble, I mean, he's just way under uh, where he was. So I don't trust him. I think Spolstra goes to Dragic again. My, my concern is, you know, Dragic isn't really built anymore to, to play 35, 40 minutes a game. I don't think he can physically do it. He did in this first game because they had six days rest. But can he do it here? So for me, I'm I'm concerned. I think Nunn and Hero maybe get a couple of more minutes from Dragic. And it just makes, you know how I am psycho about not wanting guys splitting minutes. I don't feel comfortable with those guys uh, and how many minutes they could get. Because you're right, maybe maybe Nunn hits two threes and, or Hero hits two threes and they get that extra five minutes now you've got a true three-way split of that position. The guy that I trust more is Duncan Robinson. He's His defense has improved. He played 36 minutes. Uh, they use him to close games. Um, and his price is pretty good. So, you know, I'm all about Butler here with you. I think Ariza falls into that safe range, too, because of his him being a veteran. But I think Duncan might be the wild card that I'm going to look at for some value and not try to, you know, sweat out the whole nun hero and specifically Dragic. Yeah, those three, uh, it's, it, I agree. It's an area that I don't really want to get involved in on this slate. Duncan Robinson, uh, I don't know if I'll end up with him. I mean, he, he shot it so well and he, he got the big minutes. But if he doesn't hit his threes, he usually doesn't do much else. So, he is scoring dependent. There's yeah, no doubt about it. Scoring dependent, especially on FanDuel, you don't get the three point bonus. The other right. guy I kind of like on Miami as a potential real value play is Iguodala, and you know he's a veteran here who I think you know I'll talk about Millsap in the second game in the same vein. How they got the the first game under their belts, they sort of scoped out the competition, they watch film, they strategize, and they can really pick and choose their spots. Um, you know, where can I maybe pick up a steal here? That That's the type of thing Iguodala is going to look at. Um, you know, maybe he gets more shots. And so he's a, a candidate here for me to pay down in one spot and help pay up in others. Yeah, I mean, if you told me he was going to get over 20 minutes, I, I'd feel the same way. He played 1526 minutes in the first game but you know he grabbed five rebounds in that short period of time so you're you know he's he's attempting a cheap guy but you know it's all about the minutes yes it is how about the milwaukee bucks let's look at their scenario now we already talked about you know the horrid three-point shooting so you know that's going to improve but you know same thing here they use a couple of guys off the bench but you know it's still going to be Middleton, Giannis, and Holiday as the three guys everybody's going to go to. Now, I can say that I had Dante DiVincenzo, and he was fine. He, he made value. And guess what? He was one for five from the field. So he didn't shoot the ball well. But, I mean, he does a lot more out there than people give him credit for. He had 10 rebounds, four assists, and a steal, and even a block. So... DiVincenzo's on my uh, radar for a guy that's cheap enough that's going to get big minutes uh, because after that, Andrew, and this is this is the crazy thing, I don't feel comfortable with 
any of the guys, the four guys they brought off the bench, five guys, and that was, or four, Bryn Forbes, P.J. Tucker, Bobby Portis, Pat Connaughton. None of them played over 17 minutes. None of them did much of anything. And so, you know, this is ride or die with some of the starters here from Milwaukee, uh, as far as I'm concerned. And I do like a lot of them, but, you know, which ones can you afford? Do you, do you agree? I do. I you know, DiVincenzo is the opposite of Duncan Robinson. He's not scoring yeah. dependent. Uh, but he doesn't shoot the ball that well. <laughs> right. <laughs> and then with those bench guys, I agree. You know, this is the perfect example of the impact of the playoffs and the play-in. Milwaukee, as much as any other team, will give us 28 minutes for the starters and 20 minutes for the bench guys. Well, this was an overtime game, and none of the bench guys even got 20 minutes. The only yeah. guy in this game who got over 20 minutes off the bench was Dragic. And so I think that that sums it up. I also don't want to mess with that Milwaukee bench. Um, this is a time to look at one of their value starters, DiVincenzo, or even Brooke Lopez. I mean, he he's yeah. pretty solid per minute, but lots of games he'll play 24, 26. But he played 36 minutes. Uh, yeah. Yes, again, it was overtime, but... You know, give me 30 to 32 at that price range. and 18 and points, eight rebounds, you know, a yeah. steal. And uh, he didn't even get a block. And he usually gets two, three, four blocks in the playoffs. Yeah, he's playable for me. I, I don't blame you. I mean, you've got to find your own value somewhere. And, you know, what's the worst case scenario? He, you know, he, he plays 30, 32. That's not bad. Yep. Exactly. So very interesting. So uh, now let me ask you one last thing with this question. Is it go up to Giannis? Is he going to be a payup? Or are you going to go second flight with Middleton or Holiday or both or, or none of them? What's, where are you leaning towards here initially? You know, they're, they're all in play. I think they're fair prices. Obviously, don't, I don't love the matchup here. Um, yeah, right now I have Giannis on FanDuel. You know, it's just a little easier to get one of those big studs in. Um, I've got Holiday there too. Mid- and you know, I love Middleton. Uh, he played right. played awesome. Hit the game with shot. That shot was incredible, by the way. Yeah, it was. I that mean, was not a, an easy shot. Not at he all. He was defended really well. They run a double at him and push him to a fall away. And man, he is just a terrific shooter. So he's going to be playing with a lot of confidence. I think he could certainly have a similar game. You know, the problem is he got about 48 fantasy points, and that's basically his ceiling. He's usually not a 8 or 9x guy if Giannis right. is playing. So yeah. I'm, I'm leaning towards maybe fading him here tonight and focusing on possibly Giannis or Holiday. How about you? Yeah, you know, I'm a big Holiday guy all of a sudden. I, the last couple of weeks in, 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 in the first game, he's just such a difference maker. I mean, you look at the Bucks. And last year, you just, at least for me, I never felt they had a really legit shot, even though Giannis was playing out of his mind and Middleton's such a great player. But I'll tell you what, now that it's the playoffs, the change that they made by bringing Drew Holiday in instead of Eric Bledsoe, to me, that change, that's a game changer. They become a threat to win the East. I think Holiday's that much better than Bledsoe. And he's not only a defensive stopper, you know, look at his game. He, he was nine for 18 in this game. Granted, he missed all five threes, which he'll usually make a few of those. 11 rebounds, three assists, three steals. I mean, that's that's a ball player there that's stepping up uh, against a team that doesn't 
The only weakness is defending the point guard at, at times uh, for Miami. So Holiday's probably my favorite of all these guys, but I also feel like, you know, Giannis did not have, everybody was watching and looking at it. It was like Giannis isn't having a great game. Well, we're all so spoiled by Giannis. You know, the dude still had 26 points, 18 rebounds, five assists, three steals. I mean, that's a hell of a game. Mm -hmm. But it, it didn't feel like he had a great game. You know, he missed seven foul shots again, which has to get cleaned up. But, man, it's I'll tell you what. I know it's Miami. I know it's a slower pace, and they play good D. But, gosh, Giannis could be sitting on a, an 80-bagger, in my opinion. I mean, I'm... I'm scared that he has one of those blow-up games where he just dominates. And let me ask you one last question, and we'll move on to the second game. Bam doesn't seem like the same Bam to me. He's just not as explosive and as rim-protecting. I don't know if he's injured a little bit or slumped a little or lacking confidence, but he's not the Bam that I saw last year in the bubble. Uh, and even throughout a lot of this season, he just seemed to be – neutralized a little bit more you know he was uh and and i think that really hurts uh their chances and really opens a little bit more up for Giannis. but yeah. just just my observation yeah i agree i'm just not ready to invest in bam he's one of those guys who has a very good ceiling and he could turn it around in a heartbeat because yeah. he can he can contribute in so many different ways but i just don't feel the need to go there today yeah, I, I'll tell you, though, I'm leaning to Giannis. And you know me, I don't play Giannis that often. But uh, I would I would love to come out of here with Giannis and Holiday and Butler. But then, you know, then I got to be scraping nickels off the ground and <laughs> Game put two. the rest of the squad together. That's right. Well, before we break that one down, just want to yeah. invite folks to subscribe to the YouTube channel if you haven't already. We'd really appreciate that and give a thumbs up. Wherever you're listening, we're going to continue to provide these podcasts seven days a week in front of the paywall throughout the play playoffs. So hope hope you'll uh, join us on that journey. And then for membership, uh, jump in with us now if you haven't already. Try the three-day pass at DFSCoachTalk.com. And what you'll get are full lineups on FanDuel, Yahoo, the Coach's Clipboard on DraftKings. And we give multiple full lineups on FanDuel, the cash lineups and the GPP lineup. So we try to cater to everyone and uh, and their desires for uh, different contests. So jump in with us there. Any questions, reach out, reach out to us at DFS Coach Talk on Twitter. All right, Coach, Absolutely. game two. We've got a higher total here. Portland, Denver. Portland made a statement in game one. What do you think about game two? Well, I'll tell you, I, yeah, I, hate to, I hope Joe Stanton's not listening, but I think Denver may be in big trouble here, and not just because it's 1-0. It's just, you know, Jamal Murray not having him is now just Huge. sort of, yeah, it's it's just gigantic. And they talked about him possibly coming back, but I don't know. Uh, I don't think that's going to happen. I think there's no. more of a likelihood that Mitchell may make it back. Oh, yeah, you mean Barton. Point. Uh, Barton, yeah. yeah, that's who I meant, Barton, right. Uh, you know, he's... I think that may turn, but he's out for this game. Right. And, um, you know, so not having not having him hurts without question, not having uh, Murray hurts, you know, that so. And Dozier's still out. And Dozier's still out. So they're, they're backcourt. I mean, you, you can't, you can certainly understand why, what's causing them issues here. 
And it look and it what a team to have to play when you're shorthanded in the backcourt. <laughs> you know, you got to play that front line of Dane, CJ, and Powell. I mean, really. Um, you know, I give Capazzo credit. He played his heart out, but it's just the level has gone down there, and more pressure is now on uh, the Joker and uh, Porter, really. But, uh, you know, as far as Portland goes, I mean, it was a good win for them. They certainly, are, you know, feel like they have their foot on Denver's neck, and I'm sure they want to close out with two wins here uh, on their court. Uh, they, again, same thing here. You saw massive minutes from their starters, but you did have two guys, well, really three you can still count, that are playable. At least we have a bench that we can talk about, Andrew. And, you know, granted, Powell, Covington, Nurkic, McCollum, and Lillard, all playable. You just have to determine where you want to go there. They all are going to contribute. Dame's certainly a little more expensive. We know McCollum can have monster games. And certainly Nurkic, you know, is he has something to prove in there. He got 33 minutes, which is big, really big for him. You tell me he's going to get mid-30s minutes, he's going to be my center, and he very well may be. Uh, Covington's still cheap and, and can get you a little bit everywhere. I know you're not the biggest Norman Powell guy, and he was 3 for 11, but I, I think Powell's tough, and I don't think they have a great matchup for him. So I'm very interested in Portland, but this this is where I want to throw it over to you because you're, you're Mr. Value guy. I think the way they played Carmelo – and the fact that the why did the Denver fans boo Carmelo? That I don't know. That was like 12 years ago. I I, I was very disappointed to see that because he did a lot of good things for that franchise. But anyway, he it sparked him. He played almost 22 minutes and he scored 18 points. And so he's stoked up uh, and he's cheap. Anthony Simons seems to be the go-to guard, uh, really the only one that they're using off the bench to spell uh, Lillard and McCollum. He got upwards of 23 minutes, 17 seconds, and was five for six from the field, including four threes. So is he going to repeat that? Probably not. And he's very, very risky. But the only reason I mention him, and I want to get your input on it, is he was the only guard off the bench. So when you're only playing one guard off the bench, uh, that gets my interest. And then uh, I think you're going to see ownership ownership plummet on Canner. There were a lot of people over the weekend they figured he'd split the game more so down the middle with Nurkic, and they tried to play him anyway, and he only got 15 minutes and two points. So, you know, do we pull a plug on him or, you know, as far as those Anthony Simons canter, will any of them possibly make your lineup? I won't go to canter because of the minutes. Simons, I like in general as a value play because he has a high ceiling and he showed it in game one. I don't expect him to show it in game two he he just he got really hot and if he's playing with confidence he could have another solid game because he is pretty cheap but yeah. if, if i'm going to play anybody off that bench today it's probably going to be carmelo i like his price on both sites i like the narrative you know he was asked about it and and uh you know he was glad to get that win in denver uh i, I can understand the booze a little bit you know to um you know, force his way out. Um, I don't know what he was like in the community, so it's not a it's not a commentary on that. But yeah. Um, anyway, it, it was a long time ago, and uh, it was his first win, I guess, as a visitor. Yeah. 
So I was shocked though. Yeah. I didn't expect that. I mean, you talk about a Hall of Fame guy that made the All Star team, represented that city. We're we'll going to have to get Joe, Joe Stanton as a special guest and talk about this one. Yeah, I'm curious on his perspective. <laughs> I mean, the other thing here is, hey, this is there's a lot at stake for the Nuggets. They're shorthanded, yeah. and they need to use that crowd for an edge, if possible, uh, to try yes. and help them. And I guess they were up to almost 8,000 fans. So Yeah, you know, we, we didn't mention that yet, but I'll tell you what, that was my biggest takeaway from the weekend is, it's been we've been in such a fog for over a year now, but home court advantage is now serious. I mean, it, it wasn't there. The bubble, obviously, that doesn't even count. But these all these games they played this year was like cardboard cutouts still, and just a spattering of fans. Even the Mavs game that that Doss and I went to, you know, you there were you could you had to yell through a bullhorn to get the next person's attention in the next section. So, but they've waived most of these now with. You know, with the president's decree and the CDA and Fauci and everybody saying, you know, you don't ha- if you've been vaccinated, you don't have to wear a mask in public, basically nationally. How about the Knicks crowd last night? And, you know, we're going to see all kinds of, of stuff like that where they're going to make a difference. And that is a great point to make there. I think Denver fans are going to go a little ballistic tonight because this is a must win for them. And that definitely could change the game, too. Yeah, so uh, bottom line, I probably would only go to Mello off that bench. Okay. With, with the starters, I do like Dame and Nurkic. I mean, Nurkic, 6,700 on DraftKings, where he can play that, two centers. That is a complete misprice. Yeah. Totally. So He's going to be 85% owned at that price. Yeah. Um, and like you said, the, all the starters are playable. Um, well, let's let's look at uh, Denver. Um, the Nuggets. Do you, okay. Do you pay up for Jokic here? Or do you look more at Porter Jr. in the mid-tier, or are you looking at those value guards? You know, I'm I'm looking because of what I've stated on my pay-up so far is I'm just not going to be able to afford it. I certainly would never say the Joker's a bad play in any stretch. I mean, he played 35 minutes, 27 shots, and 16 rebounds. I mean... He may be the best play on the slate, but, I, I mean, you can't play he and Giannis. It just doesn't work for me anyway. And so I'm probably not going to go there, but I think in a must-win situation at home, he's a phenomenal play. I, I'm going to go with what you just stated. I mean, I'm going to go to Michael Porter Jr. You know, he led them in minutes again, 38 almost. And he's, you know, he shot one for 10 for three. And that, if he doesn't do that, he, he almost breaks the slate because he – he did get nine rebounds and a couple of blocks and still managed 25 points, even though he was uh, shot 10% from three. So I think I think Porter's a great play. I like his price a lot better, and it allows me to make a couple other moves. Um, unfortunately, I'll, I'll say this, you know, and, and I'm not thrilled about it, but Austin Rivers played 33 minutes. He's supposed to start again. Um I think he's going to get good minutes at a super cheap price, and you've got to pay down somewhere. Um, he may be in play because of that. Composo may be in play. I don't quite trust Morris. He got 22 minutes. And then the other bench guys, I was a little stunned that Marcus Howard got 20 minutes. <clears throat> that was a surprise. And I know you had mentioned Millsap. Uh, you know, he got some run in there as well, but. You know, as far as going uh, up in this game, it's probably Porter for me rather than the Joker. 
and I hope I can live, you know, survive that. And and then either probably Rivers Composo uh, for my uh, pay down guy. Who who are you looking for for value? And are you playing Joker? Probably can't afford him either. Um, so I would lean towards Porter Jr. and hope that he shoots better from three. Both guards are in play for me. You know, this is the old the the flip side of of Miami where Portland got that first one and Denver is at home and they, they need the split. They're at home. They can't right. be down two Oh here. So no, those guys have to step up and, and take advantage of the bad backcourt defense in Portland. And I don't think they're going to play 65 minutes and take 10 shots between them. I think the way the game flows, it's just, it's just in all likelihood, uh, Faku and, and rivers will get more shots up and rivers you know, he's the guy you want to buy low on. Buy low after a lower output game where he didn't shoot much, you know, because he is very volatile. And and he's really cheap, 3800 on DraftKings. You know, it's tough to find a starter who's going to play 30 minutes on a slate like this at that price. Yeah. It's and, almost by default. He didn't look great, by the way, but it is what it is. Minutes are money. And with the bench, I do want to mention Millsap because, I, you know, I think he's one of those savvy veterans and playing that backup center type role with Cantor on the other side, he can score. Even if it's only 15 to 18 minutes again, he can score on Cantor. Um, Joe Stanton told us recently how fired up Millsap was here for the end of the season and wanting to make a big impact, finish strong. So this is a big spot for him. He knows he has to step up in in places like this and and help uh, the Nuggets even the series. How about Marcus Howard? Any wild shots there as a super cheap? I don't think so. I'd rather go with Rivers, who's only 600 more. Right. Six or 700 more, depending on the site. Or Monte Morris, who I think, you know, is going to get that upper hand still off the bench as, as the veteran. And, you know, it may be wise with those three. Probably, I would assume Malone goes with who the hot hand is with those guys. So it is very risky. Maybe Capasso's the... The guy, I know he's a little more than those guys, but I would think his minutes are a little safer. Agreed. Uh, but yeah, yeah. But it's a tough call. There's no question about it. And we didn't mention, of course, Aaron Gordon. He did get up 16 shots, though. Shocker. So that's promising. Very. Yeah. But yeah. only 28 minutes. So yeah. does he get as yeah. many shots this time around? I, I would I would bet against it. Yeah. Yeah, it's a tough call, but he's cheap. So you know, it's, it's question. I, I mean, I've, I've considered it again. It's, you know, it's so hard. I don't think that the two guys or so that you use for value in your lineup, you're going to be jumping up and down ecstatic about it. It's just, you know, <laughs> you got to bite the bullet somewhere and it, it's sort of trying to determine where you're going to get the most punch. And usually for me in this type of situation, it's minutes related yeah me too and and one final point here is we saw in the finals last year remember how Spolstra every game against the Lakers it was like a different starting lineup you yeah know, was Olenek gonna start was none gonna start and that's what you have to really dig in on on these two game slates is are the rotations gonna change and we we spent this whole show talking about these tight rotations and focusing on the starters more than the the reserves which is not something we always do I mean, we'll play right. a key guy off the bench like Clarkson if he's priced right. Yeah. Um, but it's it's just a little riskier here on this two-game slate. And I don't see a lot of areas where 
you can project a big change where somebody, some new guy off the bench for Miami Struess or, you know, Precious Ashu is all of a, all of a sudden going to get 18, 20 minutes. I, I just don't see it in, in with these two games on this slate. I think we, I think we need to stick with the guys who are in the rotation in game one. You do because, you know, one flub up with a, a guy, uh, you know, and you take a zero, it just, your, your history. So it's, uh, and, you know, we've all run into that a few times, um, and that is not fun. I did want to mention real quick, Denver's favored by one and a half. I know you mentioned 227. Pace-wise, though, remember this, 19 for Portland, 26 for Denver, and we do have Milwaukee with the second fastest pace in that first game. So even though the, the line's bigger in this game, Portland-Denver, I think it's pretty darn even. I think it's gonna, they're both 225ers to me. Um, defensive efficiency is the other thing we want to mention here, though. Portland, people forget, we're the second-worst defensive team in the league this year. So that's got to give some hope to the Nuggets fans that, you know, they're going to be able to score a lot better and, and shoot the ball better. So that puffs up some of these Nuggets. 14th for Denver, middle of the road. And then, uh, you know, the other reason and probably the reason the, the line is bigger is they were 5th and 7th in offensive efficiency this season. So these two teams know how to move the ball, know how to score it, and uh, creates for a really great card tonight because there's no, like, you know, you got to go here, you got to go there. Uh, all these four teams, you can you can really make, you know, valid reasons why you want to have two, three guys from one of these squads. They're all in play. Absolutely. So we're going to build the lineups here the rest of the afternoon and get ready for lock. We'll give out the lineups about 20 minutes before lock if you want to join us uh, via dfscoachtalk.com for a membership. And again, if you have any questions, reach out to us. Coach is available on Twitter at J-O-E-S-A-R-V-A-D-I, and you can find me at Language Olympic. And you'll find us both back here tomorrow, ready to break down the next slate for you. So thank you all for tuning in here today. On behalf of the coach and the rest of the DFS Coach Talk team, I'm Andrew Hansen. We'll see you tomorrow as we look to crush it in DFS.